Welcome to the 9 to 5 Joy podcast. I am Mappy Garcia. And I'm Christine Selby. We're on a mission to make the workplace more joyful. We are thrilled today to be here with our guest, Chief Morris Copeland. And Mappy Morris, I'm really excited about today. Um, I It was actually another one of our guests who recommended they thought that you would be a really good person to interview. And I was like, oh my gosh, Morris Copeland would be perfect because he emanates joy. Um, I think that's something that you totally do. So I'm going to share just a little bit about your bio, and then I'm going to ask you to share a little bit about your journey. So uh, Chief Morris Copeland is the Chief Community Service Officer for Miami-Dade County. He took on that role in 2020. He's already had a, a full career of service to children and families across Miami-Dade County. Um, he was the, the Director of Juvenile Services for Miami-Dade County, what was formerly, formerly known as the JAC or the Juvenile Assessment Center. That center has been um, really recognized naturally for their innovation and their humane services. And that is in much part due to the work that Morris has done there. So Morris, thank you for the work that you've done in our community. It really has been tremendous. Um, in addition to that, he is a professor at Georgetown, right? You, uh, yes, at one time. And so um, really somebody who's invested their life in, in the community and making things better. Um, and, and living a life of service and doing that in a very joyful way. So thank you for being here. We're very honored to have you. We really, you, since the moment that we thought about inviting you, we were like, oh my God, is he gonna do it? Because you know, you're in such an important role right now and we know that you're very busy. So the fact that you, you know, took time out of your schedule to meet with us means a lot. It's truly a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your career, a little bit about your journey, and maybe some of the pivotal moments throughout it, some of the things that were formative for you. Well, I, I, I'm, a, I'm born and raised here in Miami-Dade County, you know, uh, and uh, I come from uh, uh, hardworking people, and uh, you know, I'm the oldest of, 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 of four. I'm the oldest. I'm the only guy in the family. The only, I'm the older brother, three younger sisters that are dynamic awesome human beings. Uh, and um, my father's no longer with us. My mom is still here, who is really the the heart and soul of our family. And, uh, you know, uh, coming up as a young man, I've had numerous experiences where I had to make decisions in my life. And uh, I remember one instant uh, that was, uh, it was a male of life and death for me uh, when I was 14 years old. I um, was involved with another young man and who was in school. We were hanging out, doing things that, you know, young people do, but they don't have any guidance. Uh, and um, I was, at that point in time, I really didn't care about living, to be perfectly honest with. And uh, we got into a skirmish with some other guys and uh, guys a little bit older than us. And the guy pulled uh, a 38 out and um, he pointed it at my friend, Terrence. And, um, at that point in time, I was on the bicycle and I threw the bicycle down and I stepped in front of the guy. I said, man, you got to shoot him, you got to shoot me first. And um, I told him, I said, pull the trigger, pull the trigger. I can remember seeing the, the gun barrel and I could see the, the bullets and uh, I wasn't afraid. I was really prepared to, to leave this place. Um, but I remember a lady grabbed his arm and said, don't shoot him, don't kill him, don't kill him. And uh, he chose not to pull the trigger. And uh, from that point, we got on the bike. I told Terry to get on the bike and let's go, let's leave. And when I took him home, I went home, I sat on my bed and I thought 
about what just happened. And I was like, wow, I think I'm going to pull the trigger. My mom would have been devastated. My sisters would have been devastated. My teachers, my uncles, my aunt, all my grave, everybody would have been devastated. And I did not understand how crucial that moment was. It was a watershed moment for me. And I thought about it that night. I, I did tell my mom and my dad what happened. But I, I got on my knees that night. I prayed about it. And I said, you know what, Harsh, you can't put yourself in this situation anymore. So I, that next day, I stopped hanging around with that guy. And I started focusing on coaches and teachers and listening to people and, you know, uh, all of the positive things. I started looking for those things because I said, this was not going to be the end for me because I know how much they would hurt my mom and my sisters and my, and my, my, my whole family, really. So that was a moment for me that I changed everything about how I thought mm -hmm. and what my future was, because I thought I didn't, I wasn't going to make it to 21 before then. I'm just being perfectly honest with you. So that kind of catapulted me in the area of trying to look for help, right? And then what was happening is in my efforts, people started acknowledging that I had something to offer because I didn't know I had any talents. I, I, I didn't, really didn't. But people kept pushing me and pushing me to do stuff, pushing me to run for city class president. They, the coach made me captain of the football team. I played football. I ran track. And I started feeling I was good at this stuff, right? And then it, it just started snowballing and snowballing. And, and I ended up getting the college scholarship, football scholarship. A lot of schools wanted me to play for them, but I ended up going to the University of Colorado. I chose the University of Colorado. The fact that I had an option, I never thought was going to be the possibility, even just to play football. So I went out there and I made uh, some great strides in terms of learning who I was because I didn't know where I was at the time. And a professor by the name of Mr. Miles, Dr. Miles, this class really transformed my mind about who I was as a person because I didn't understand why I was being treated differently because of the color of my skin. And as I walked around that university, I didn't see many kids that looked like me. And I was like, well, these people are living these lives and everything seems to be wonderful. As I talk to them, their lives are very different. And I said, well, what's the difference between them and me? And as I continue to ponder and ponder and ponder, I found it wasn't no difference other than opportunity and expectation. Mm -hmm. They had opportunities and the expectations for them were very high. Mm -hmm. So I said, I got guys in my neighborhood that could run circles around me in terms of their, their intellect and of their athletic prowess. They just didn't have the ability to make those changes in their life. And so their life took a different trajectory. So understanding all of those aspects of my life and my upbringing and the, the survivor's guilt that I dealt with for so many years about the young men that I knew that were kinder, smarter, or talented, they didn't make it. So I said, I got to do something to rectify that issue. I got to bring more attention to that issue. And so I, as a Black Students Vice President, I played as a fraternity. I still was while playing football. Uh, we moved the needle. Uh, we did a lot of stuff. They're trying to get the University of Divestment in South Africa during the time when the Mandela was in prison. So all those things I got really got me invigorated in terms of the power that we have mm -hmm. as individuals to move people, mm -hmm. right, in the right direction. So that was just a taste of what I was just experiencing as a young man, trying to figure out who I am. And so when I graduated, I had an opportunity to go into the corporate world because you know, recruit, you know, uh, and I said, you know, I can't do, 
I just can't walk, go into an office and just make money and do this stuff because that's not fulfilling to me. And I said, I have to do something to rectify the situation, the issues and the challenges I experienced for young men and young girls, young women in my community. So I decided to come back and I chose not to do it. And I came back and started working for HRS, Health and Rehabilitative Services. And I mean, the rest is, you know, like, I can't believe I'm sitting here, <laughs> right? Coming from that, yeah. those challenges yeah. and understanding. But every step of the way, it was never me. Mm-hmm. It was people that saw something in me that I didn't see in myself, mm-hmm. right? And they helped me. They pushed me. They guided me. Mm-hmm. Like that Dr. Miles that I mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. Professor Miles and many others, mm-hmm. right? And so my parents and all these people just kept pushing and pushing. And I was like, wow, man, this is amazing mm-hmm. that... I'm being paid to help create a better environment in my own community. That's a blessing. What more can you ask for, right? And so it just mushroomed and mushroomed and mushroomed. And people saw, I guess, my heart first. And then they understood I had some intellect. I was smart, you know, (laughs) I guess. And um, it just really, really created an environment for me to do things I'll do. I, I love as you're talking, what comes to me is this dance between who you are and, and your core and the fact that you were able to see, you were able to see something on you that made you, you know, have that switch and that aha moment. You mentioned seeking laughter, uh, mentoring, coaching, you know, like seeking out those opportunities yeah. and then them being presented with, to you in the environment. So I feel like like as you were talking, I was just like, it was very beautiful to me to see like how they were feeding off each other and how there was definitely something in you. And I feel it's it's important for you to also like, you know, see that and, and recognize that because yeah. it was there. And then you were able to seek out and to identify those opportunities around you that then allow you to get to know yourself better. I feel that that idea of like, knowing who you are and what you're passionate about and what moves you yes. uh, is key when we talk about joy in general, uh, but specifically joy at work, you know, like we, 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 this idea of being purposeful and, uh, and and it's very difficult to have purpose if you don't know yeah. who you are or what moves you. Yes. So yes. thank you for sharing all of that. Curious. Yeah, yeah. And you, so you spent your entire career in social services and gov- local government. Um, when you look at that, and I think some people would say, oh, maybe those aren't the most joyful environments. Maybe they're <laughs> tough, tough stuff. And even when you're talking a little before, you said there, there can be things about these environments that are challenging. There's real challenges, uh, both real challenges and challenges we make up, right, as people. Um, when you look at that career, though, what have been some of the most joyful moments and what do you think contributed to those moments? Well, I think that um, no matter who you are, where you're from, you're going to have challenges in your life. Uh, people don't talk about their struggles very often, uh, but believe me, they're, they're, they're struggles. And I think sometimes we forget that the common thing that binds all of us as human beings is the fact that we all struggle. We all have stresses. We all have issues, no matter what your religious, socioeconomic background, whatever. Uh, it is a common thing that trouble is going to happen. Problems are going to come because it's just being human, right? And so I always have tried to 
focus on that, the commonality of human beings, and uh, focus on those things that bring us together rather than separate us. And so understanding the nature of the work that we do and understanding that a lot of people get into social services because of their own personal experiences or things they've seen happen to other folk, and it has triggered something in them to say, this is what I need to do. Not, this is what I want, this is what I need to do. Yeah. It becomes a need. And so when you can feed that level of commitment with an environment that says, hey, I appreciate what you do. I understand you are doing this because of the love in your heart and the things that you want to see change for the better. But I also understand you're a human being and you have your own issues you have to deal with, right? So we want to make sure that the environment that you come into every day is one that's welcoming, that's caring, and compassionate. We're not all going to have good days every day. But on the day that I have a bad day, I know I can depend on you. I can depend on you to lift me up and vice versa. So when we talk about those things, and I was very fortunate to have someone to work with me for over 20-something years in that business is Kathy Burgles, who's a licensed clinician. That's very fortunate for me because I had someone that this is what she was taught to do, how to change the way you think, how to put certain practices in place so that you would have these uh, barriers, right? In safe, in safe zones that you would feel comfortable doing things that you felt with, that were very challenging, right? So those are the things that I feel were blessings for me. The universe really surrounded me to write people. I was had the blessing to work for Osley Walters, right? I had the blessing to work for Elena, Alina Hudak. I had the blessing to work for uh, um, uh, Carlos Alvarez. I had the blessing to work for Carlos Jimenez. Now I have the blessing to work for uh, uh, Daniela Levine Cava, one of the best human beings I've ever met in my life. So all of those people that i worked for, I've also taken stuff from them. Little things from them that are common to me that make me feel good. So those are the things that I continually uh, talk about I harp on, I try to make sure that we, in our management meetings, we talk about those things mm -hmm. because self-help, health, the well, well-being is key to you being able to do the things you need to do for those that you're serving. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I feel as time has gone by, that has become even more prominent, right? And there is more conversation around it now. But if we were to go back to the, when you started in the, in the job and all uh, assessment center, when you were, when you started engaging that work, like what are the, um, what are the qualities that you found in the environment that maybe you noticed that you needed to impact, change, have some type of effect on? Because, because the reality is, and a lot of, uh, when you talk up with people about social services, right? We see that the, usually people come in with a passion, right? But these are low paying jobs for the most part. Uh, and then the uh, structures and the processes and there is, there are gaps, right? It's very much so. So, and I found that maybe those gaps make it more difficult right. to be able to nurture that environment right. of joy and well-being. So if you were to think back to when you were like in the trenches, yeah. like starting your career, what were the things that you feel made a difference for you? Well, I was very fortunate to go through uh, the CPM program at Florida State, right? Mm -hmm. And there was a book. And there was a, it's a long 
arduous process. They made it, but it was a wonderful experience for me to have the opportunity to get that level of education. There was a book that I read. It's called uh, Encouraging the Heart. And the whole focus around that book, let me tell you something, that book, dynamic, in terms of what we're talking about, it talked about the fact that, you know, a lot of people are not necessarily motivated by money, right? It's about the little things that you need to find out about for them. Yes. It's individualized. Yes. You got to find out the things that make them tick. And the only way you do that is you have to talk to them mm -hmm. and not talk to them, right. but talk with them and listen. My mom always says, well, you have two years in one mouth. <laughs> you need to listen. So what I would do, I would walk around and I would solicit information from them. I didn't care if they were janitors, secretaries, executives. It didn't make a difference. I sat and talked to everyone. And I made, it was deliberate. Yeah. It was intentional. Because I wanted them to understand that they were a part of our overall success. Yes. Everyone. Everyone. We have to work together as a team. We have to pull each other up when we're lagging. We have to cheer each other on when we do great. All those things were reinforced over and over and over again. And I made sure when we had our meetings with the senior staff that that was the mantra. Mm -hmm. So I expected... For me to, what's the word I want to say when you um, uh, you show someone the, the model. your model, yeah. I wanted to model it, and then I wanted to see them do it too, yeah. right? And so we would have discussions about that topic, and people would think, well, we should be discussing this, this, this. I said, no, 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 no. At the end of the day, these people work with you, and they will do anything for you if they know how much you care about them and their issues, right? And the same, the same um, sentiment uh, is, is utilized when you're dealing with your clients. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They want to know how much do you care, you know? Because trust is the overall issue. You say, I got trust circled like down my little, my little whiteboard there. It's always the key. And the only way people are going to be able to do that, trust you, is if you have to be consistent and you have to show that you are serious about your intent. Some people can come and they can play this game, you know, like they read, but people read through that. Children read through that. Oh, yeah. So we Right? We know this, right? And not work. Children can see if you're real or not, right? And they'll, they'll deal with you in that way. So I think to me, the fact is, is that you care, you try to show that people you care about there because the work, going, the work is going to get done. Yeah. Right. You can find intellect anywhere, mm -hmm. but intellect and heart, yeah. you can move mountains, yeah. literally. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I always tell people, you're not an idol, we're not an idol. We have to help each other. I've always had people to support and help me and build me up. I am not here by myself. There's no way I could have gotten to this position, put, be put in this position, just being me. There had to be angels around me, people around me, helping me, pushing, doing all these things because they saw that what I was focused on was not the money in my pocket because I could have gone that direction. Mm -hmm. I wasn't focused on personal accolades. I, that doesn't do anything for me. Mm -hmm. Perfectly honest with you. To see somebody prosper, to see a person come out of their shell, mm -hmm. to see a young person go on to become Great, be the best person they could be. Yeah. Not my expectations, mm -hmm. but the best person they could be. That is priceless, mm -hmm. right? And so those are the things that I constantly preach. 
I constantly talk about, and I practice. And I think when you do that, people will say, you know what, he's authentic or she's authentic. I know what this person's talking about is they mean it, right? And so those are the things that I think have given me a lot of uh, political clout. And uh, people trust me when I say I'm going to do something because I make sure I follow up. And if I can, I'll tell them why. But those are the things that I think have given me, uh, have really blessed me, given me the opportunity to sit in that chair and, and have the trust of the mayor, this wonderful mayor, to give me this opportunity to to work in the capacity that work. You're touching in such important points uh, because this idea of authenticity showing up and showing up consistently. And what comes to light for me is, you know, when you are engaging work that is so challenging, right? Where you have days where you probably felt like this is not the way I want things to go. This result is not aligned with what I'm, my heart is in. Yeah. How do you um, sort of battle the feelings of maybe hopelessness yeah. or frustration or uh, and and sort of continue showing up in the way that you want to right. Well, I say this. I, I, I was I was brought up a bit in a very uh, spiritual household, mm-hmm. and um, I, I'm a I'm a history I'm a history buff, and I'm a history I'm a I'm a I'm a lover of all religions. I've studied everything, every major religion. It is that th- those things intrigue me, right? Mm-hmm. And so, but I know there's common themes amongst all of them that are the things I think are the bedrock of who we are that makes the makes us the best people we can be, mm-hmm. right? And so I take those things and I utilize them in order to deal with these very, very challenging situations. I tell you, as many times I sat in the office and I've cried because we've lost a child. I've cried because we've had something bad happen to a parent. Uh, and um, and I, I, I couldn't understand why we couldn't have done more, right? And I always go to the most, the, the wisest person I ever met in my life. And I've been around a lot of smart people, right? But Gloria Copeland, my mother, uh, I've gone to her every time I've gone to her, and I went to her not too long ago, and I said, I was just complaining like you talk. Oh, I don't know these children, you know, these people keep, keep dying. She said, Morris, you're not God. She said, all you can do is the very best that you can do. And you've been put in that position to bring other folk, like-minded people, to the table with you, right? And all of you guys work together on these problems. You can't save everybody. Uh, bad things happen to good people. And so you have to accept the things that you cannot change, but also understand and let that pain turn into purpose. And I said, no, I'm fine. Once again. <laughs> Once again. You know, it's like, you know, chicken soup or something. You know what I mean? Said, so those type, that type of uh, just simple, to the point, honest, heartfelt, responses to very complex, right, yeah. and challenging issues is refreshing. And also, to me, I believe it's a godsend yeah. because it allows you to redirect that 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 trauma, that pain, whatever you're, mm-hmm. and put it to purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And so those are the things that I think have been, that sustained me for so long, right? My, you know, my, my, my sons, my, my extended family, my my uh, particularly my sisters and my mom, they always pray for me because they pray for me. Sometimes I go there, they all just lay hands on me and they just stop praying uh, because they understand the, the, the position I am. Yeah. In, right. Yeah. 
And uh, I need to have all the strength I possibly can in order to continue to do the work that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's not me. It's about everybody. Right. Right. You know, I'm surrounded by wonderful people. It, it, right. Yeah. That's that. Um, when you were talking, I was thinking it's wisdom. Your mom is sharing oh, wisdom with you. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's but, awesome. Right. Um, okay. So you shared a story at the beginning. You talked about a situation when you were 14 yeah. and you almost, you, you didn't use that even at the beginning that you didn't have a lot of interest in living at, at that point. And I imagine in your role um, at the juvenile assessment center, what that sort of was called at the time, um, that you probably met a lot of kids who yeah. maybe were feeling the same way. Yeah. Like at that point, for whatever reason, circumstances, they were dealing with the juvenile justice system um, and they're looking at life and, you know, they, yeah. I, like I can imagine there's there's a lot of reasons to feel hopeless. Yeah. Um, so what what types of advice would you give them? Like if they were sitting here now, what are the things you tell somebody? Because I think as I was thinking about that, I was thinking, we all can relate to that in some way. Yeah. We've all had things in our life for, where we've looked at and we've thought, like, is is there any hope left for me? Yeah. Um, and when you think about the idea of joy, you have you kind of have to have hope, yeah. right? Yeah. It's hard to have joy if you don't have That's hope. That's the key. Yeah. So <laughs> what, what, what would you share with people who maybe are looking at things and saying, uh, Let me give you a perfect I'll never forget this child. He was 11 years old. And um, he had come in, he was breaking into people's homes. That's on that big old child. Forget it And so he was a little itty bitty something, right? And so they were dealing, I didn't know I was upstairs and they called, when they we ever get a young child, they will always call me, director, we got anybody 12 and under, we're not, we try to get them, we're unarrested. We have the mm-hmm. police, we call the state attorney. No, you're not putting this child through the system. So they say, we got a little year old. She he said, oh, chief, he's, he, he's, 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 he, we've never seen anything like this young boy. He, it's just his, his whole mindset. I say, oh, don't book him. Let me come down and talk to him. And so they left and we just sat in there and a little something. And I said, son, I said, don't just say, uh, I said, what were you doing? He said, he said, I, he said I'm breaking arms. They said, um, um, the, you know, the older guys, they put me through the window because I'm small enough to maneuver. And I said, I figured that. I figured you didn't come up with this on your only 11 years old. I said, don't you know that that breaking in someone's home is the most dangerous thing anybody can do, an adult or a child? Because people have their weapons and they can. He said, he said, sir, I really don't care about living that. I don't like that. 11 years old. I sat there for a minute. I was stunned because I went back mm-hmm. and I, I kind of. You know, tears rolled up in my eyes because I was like, this child is, he has no hope. He has to hope he wants to leave this place. And so I, I talked to him for a little while longer and I went back to the staff. I said, we cannot let him out of our sight. We got to continue to sit him. We got to keep him in our, you know, in our view because we didn't know what he was capable of. And we need to get our conditions down here as soon as possible to start working with him. We called the judge. We did. I mean, we went all out because we knew that the situation was so dire for him that somebody not understanding the dynamics of who this child was was going to say, okay, why not just send him back to where he came from? That couldn't happen because we knew what the possibilities were. So we went above and beyond what we were supposed to do. And that was 
when we do, we did stuff like that. When I came down and did stuff like that, the staff saw that, right? The directors down here, book your kids, talk to the kids. He doesn't have to do that. Right. But they knew I wasn't doing it to show off or be the man of the charge. They knew it because I cared about that child so much that I wanted him to see everybody that was interested in his well-being. So that is what we're talking about, hope and hopelessness. And an uh, individual without hope is a very dangerous individual. And I think you're also tapping in. It's it's so beyond the words. It's so beyond what you can say. It's beyond that. It's about what you do. It's what you do. Yeah. It's what you do. Yeah. And that, that child's pain. He just felt, he just said, sir, I don't care. He just he just felt comfortable enough just to say it. Yeah. And uh, he get nothing years old. So I, I always think about him. And um, I know we did everything really possible to make sure that uh, those issues that he was uh, was suffering from, they were addressed. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that goes to something that you said earlier, which is hope has to do with being there for each other. Yes. But for showing up for each other and supporting each other. Loneliness. Yeah. It's an epidemic, no? <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah. Going short. I was thinking, um, and, and you know, this, this is just something that's occurred to me as you're talking, but... So there is this level of what you have been aware of and what you have put out there to, you know, fulfill your purpose, to work the way that you have, um, you know, like figure out like how to really engage with people and, and go through this. And you've been lucky to be surrounded yes. by oh team God. of people Wonderful who are aligned with that, right? Wonderful human beings. Um, Wonderful. At the same time, uh, I would guess in your career, you've also probably had instances where you had to deal with some of the politics or, you know, like dynamics that were supporting of the work that you were oh, yeah. doing. Um, talk to a little bit about that. And especially when it came to people that were, had more power than you. Very, very good question. And let me tell you what we experienced when we started doing this work to the juvenile assessment center when Wallensley Walters, I was the deputy director. She was my boss unbelievable human being and a mover to shaker, right? And um, there was a lot of people that felt that what we were doing was going to increase the number of children in the system. They felt that it was going to create, uh, we already had 300 children a day sitting in the detention, so they felt it was going to be four or 500, you know? And then I could understand what they were concerned. And, and we should, we do something new. Everybody's kind of afraid and scared about the outcome, but just the opposite happened. What we were able to do was to change law enforcement's mindset. And let me tell you something. That's not easy. <laughs> yeah. That's not easy. Yeah. You know, I got some great friends that are working law enforcement. I mean, these, but it's, you know, they have to do their job, right? But, but they are human beings just like everybody else. And we were able to make the case to them that we did business just a little bit differently, that their outcomes would shoot through the roof. And that they would be able to deal with the real crime, the real criminals out there, instead of this, this kiddie stuff. And so we were able to really set up a process and whereby we said, we will do this and you do this and watch the results. And they trusted us. The public defender, the state attorney, the police director, all the municipalities all signed off. Right? That's a big deal. That's a big deal in my name. <laughs> It was on, it was it was revolutionary. Yeah. And we went from 
300 children a day in that facility to under 100 a day left. the sidewalk. Went from 22,000 children being arrested to maybe four years ago, 2,000 children being arrested. So when you see progress like that, and you understand it wasn't one person, it wasn't one organization, it wasn't disparate, it was a collaborative effort of everybody thinking about how this affects them as a human being. Not as this or that, not as your profession, but you as a person. How does this affect you? How does this, how you put yourself in the, in the children's shoes? Put yourself in their parents. This is something that we had to do and it wasn't easy. But once we made the case, all of these very smart people say, you know what? Let's roll with it. Let's give it a go. And the rest is history. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I cannot, <clears throat> sometimes I can't believe <clears throat> that I was involved in that, right? Because it was so revolutionary. And then everybody else across the country said, we want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we want to do that. And then yeah. people from other countries say, we want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It was mind blowing, yeah. right? But I think that um, I always say it was a collaborative effort. It was a community effort. And like I said, whatever we put back aside our petty differences, right? Yeah. If we leave our egos at the door, and I always say, what I always be, I always used to begin the meetings. I say, guys, all of us had to give up some of our power. So you got to trust more. And we're going to deliver, but you got to trust us. So those are the things that I know that have take, given us the ability to move the needle. Yes. And people respond to success, yes. right? They like a winner. Yeah. And so we've been able to show our track record. And so now when we ask to do things, it's like, hey, these guys, thumbs up. Right. And so we just have to make sure right. that we're not doing it for our own self gratification. Yes. We have to make sure that what we're doing is at the end of the day is going to move the needle to make life better for everybody. And I think about the process, something that I just want to highlight because I think it's so important and we, we miss it sometimes is what, as you were talking about how you got there, you said, we like, oh, didn't we use these words, but what I got was we drafted this plan. It yeah. was out there. Yeah. We signed up on it. Yes. We were looking for this outcome, yes. you know? So I feel that when you have these like sort of external, neutral, yes, right, element yes. of like documenting and identifying what your role is, yes. how do you play in the process, then it's not about me, right? It's not about the problem. It's not, it's not about the people and the personalities and the egos and the roles and the who takes the credit for what. Right. It's about like, this is the process. This, this is what we're going to follow because we want to get there. We want to get there. We had clear yes. metrics. Yes. We measured everything. Yes. We had the best researchers yes. in the business. Yes. So all of the all of the stars aligned, yes. right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and I have to tell you, it was us as a community yes. that made it happen. Yes. The children's trust, everybody, everybody pushing in that one direction. The school system, mm -hmm. the superintendent, yes. uh, I mean, everybody. Yes. So when you have something like that, man, you... You got, you know, that's going to, that's going to, you're going to, you know, you're going to really succeed or you're just going to bomb out. Right? But at least we're all together. You know? All together. All together. And we need to replicate that in our area. We have to. Well, we have done it in other parts of the country. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. That's yeah. amazing. Um, Oh, gosh. So, obviously, you've talked 
some about this, but as you see your role within government, yeah. right? And when you think about, um, you know, the different industries that are in the country. So one of the things that we really wanted to do with this podcast was make it sort of industry agnostic. You know, we wanted to talk yeah. to people in different industries to get sort of ideas about how we support well-being. Yeah. And really, I think we're really tapping into this whole idea of human sustainability in the work. So how do you see the role of government, not just within sort of the um, arms of government where you are controlling sort of like the environment of the, the work, but how do you see the role of government with like, in, you know, the businesses and industries in general and how they support joy in the work? Well, I think that you, you have to have the right leadership. First and foremost, right? government is just a thing, right? And uh, government moves based on moves in a certain direction based on who's in charge, as they say. Um, uh, uh, elections have consequences, <laughs> so we know that, right? We have seen that. We, 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 so, so what what I mean by that is that you, the mayor has this mayor has made it uh, her business is to have a no wrong door approach particularly the social services. Mm -hmm. We've never done that before, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, no matter where you go with touching this system, if you need something from another department, they're not going to send you on a wild goose chase to find what you need. They're going to be able to connect you right there at the point of contact, first point of contact. Mm -hmm. And then because you understand this stuff is stressful. Yeah, it's, it's, people yeah. in the county can't even maneuver through the county. Yeah. So you imagine a, a, somebody from the outside trying to figure out what department I got to go to and this and that. So the mayor's come up with a no long no long door approach, and that's what we're doing. And people have been trained. We have our systems in place. We're getting ready to launch our website, where it's going to be similar to what you go you go you go on Amazon and you type in something, and then boom, and we Google it, and then all these other things pop up because you may qualify for them, right? That's we never done that before. That's new, and so we want to be able to bring government closer to the community. And make sure that we did mystify mm -hmm. the process right, right. because people are really, they get frustrated yeah. and you, I got to talk to this person, that person, right. and then I got to right. give you my information over yeah. and yeah. over. So all of these things that we know that we've, we've, uh, gleaned from surveys, yeah. right. And then personal yeah. stories from people saying, I'm so frustrated. Those are the things that this mayor has made a focal point of her administration. And then that will also lead to a greater level of trust mm -hmm. in government. Because we know, you know, there's an issue there, which is justifiable in yeah. cases, right? But you have to be able to move the needle as much as you possibly can. You won't be able to solve everything overnight. But once people see that you're serious about what you say, then they'll, they'll be more inclined to support your work and give you the benefit of the doubt. Right. When right. something doesn't happen, it right. needs to happen. Right. Right. So that is the focus. I think this is the focus of this administration, mm -hmm. which is, I love it, mm -hmm. uh, because what it goes back to what we're talking about. How, how do you really care about me? Mm -hmm. Do you really, did you listen to what I told you that I don't want to get my information over five or six times? <laughs> I said that to you. Yeah. Did you listen to me? So it garners trust. So that's, to me, I believe that government is, is, Keep and I'm talking about business too across the whole spectrum, because we have we serve everybody. Yeah, yeah. 
and, and that we all should have an equal level of access to what is offered. Right. And that is the goal. And I think, I know the other mayors, they wanted to do this. This mayor is doing it, literally doing it. And I think that uh, we're almost at that point where we're going to say that this is basically her administration. She is fully implemented the no law door approach mm -hmm. to receive new services through the social services port. You just reminded me of a conversation I was having yesterday about, um, you know, how how much we let sort of, I mean, limiting beliefs with these ideas of, oh, that's just so hard. Like, this is just the way things are, you know, these are, and then we get stuck yeah. on the thinking or planning or considering these or the other. And sometimes, not, not sometimes, I think in general, you need to move to action. And as you move to action, yeah. then you may make a mistake here. You may have to redo that. You may have to change course a little bit. But I feel that that's really what makes the difference. And then also, as you are acting, as you're being intentional about it, and as yeah. you are, um, you know, putting out things around the, the thing that you want to achieve, yeah. then you show others that that's good. People, like people see that you do what you say, yeah. mm -hmm. then they know you, you, you know, you're trustworthy. And somebody have acted that way. Even if, even if things don't go right, they'll say, man, they tried. Yeah. Yeah. But the key is to be honest with them. Yeah. And, and to me, that is the most important thing that we can do for our, our for people that we serve in this community is to let them know the truth. Yeah. And, and, and if, if it's, if it's not going to be something that's going to be favorable to them, you know, to them, let them know. Yeah. Because people can take that. Yeah. They don't want you lying to them. They don't want you build, giving them false hope. Right. 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 Hope is great. Hope, you have to have hope. Yeah. That must be the thing that, the focal point of everything you do. But you don't want to sell people on something that you know you cannot do. Right. Right. Because then that, it's not hope. Mm -hmm. Then that becomes... That's that's to me, to me, that to me, I believe that's that's almost criminal. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because these just a lot of people, their lives. Right. Their very life is dependent on what happens with government. And we have to understand that. And some people can't. They they because they it's not that they, they won't, it's not in their in their in their orbit. Mm -hmm. Right? Because they live in a different mindset. They're doing different things. It's not that they don't care. They it's not a part of what they're concerned about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we have to be able to bring those things to everybody right. and say, hey, God, I understand your issue. I understand your issue. We all have issues. Yeah. How can we help resolve these things? Right. Hey, and government can't do it all. And as you said, business has to be involved. Every, the families have to be, everybody has to be able to say, right. Right. in order for us to progress. And we've done it. Mm -hmm. We've done it. So I, 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 I'm very hopeful. Yeah. I'm very hopeful because we have some wonderful people working in government. Wonderful human beings that want the best for everybody, yeah. right? And those are the people that I, <clears throat> I cherish, and I hope, I pray that they, 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 they're healthy, they're healthy, they're, they're, they can, you know, think straight. They, they have the support that they need to deal with their own issues, mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, they got to make it happen for everybody. Right. Yeah. So I, 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 I'm, um, I'm very, I'm very upbeat about that. Yeah. So you've talked, you've mentioned a lot of qualities that leaders, um like should have or should nurture um, to be able to, you know, contribute right. to to this idea of wellness and joy and 
But if you were to tap into the one thing that you feel leaders in, independently of how, in what capacity they're functioning or what industry, but one thing that you feel leaders is a must to be able to build that trust empathy. and to empathy. Empathy, compassion. Those things, um, they transform people. They um, say, you walk a mile in my shoes. I mean, that, it, um, it's done it for me uh, through my entire life. I've learned from everybody. I've, I've been around people that money is not even an issue, but they have challenges in that life, right? Uh, they just differ, but they have challenges. So we have to understand that we're all connected all connected and the way that we begin to make those engage right remember is that we have to have empathy compassion and try to open ourselves up a lot of people are afraid to do that because that's you're vulnerable right 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 yeah. honorable and and but at the end of the day we cannot move forward separately so we understand that people have to know how much you care first. Yeah. Then we have to make sure that we do that. Yeah. Okay? Right? And and to me, it's 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 not hard for me. It it, it brings me joy. Yeah. <laughs> it brings me joy. Yeah. Do yeah. And I know it's 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 it, it and everybody can do it. I've said I've seen people do it. Yeah. We just have to get everybody has to give people license to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It's not a sign of weakness. I feel it's a, I feel it's a it's a superpower mm-hmm. that we have. Because what it does, it breaks down barriers. Mm-hmm. From it, it tears away all this foolishness, all this stuff that we create, right? Mm-hmm. To keep us separate, separate, and people make money from that. Right. Because you know, it's, yeah. it's it's all you know. I, I play college football. That guy is not your butt, not your buddy. You have to attack him, attack him, attack him, right? He has on a different uniform. He plays for a different school. You get me? And and that stuff is drilled in you. See, you were like this, so it's it's not an easy transition. It's and most people will think it's a win lose. Mm-hmm. We're about win win. It's about winning, and we have to think that way. It has to be delivered. Morris, this has been a great conversation. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I really, en- I mean, you brought in so many different parts of joy and how it happens. And I think like the biggest thing that I've heard is like it comes from the heart. Comes from the heart. Um, if you had thirty seconds, you're talking to a room full of leaders. You just talked about empathy a little bit. But what do you and, and they're saying? How do we create joy in our culture at work? Are you we have that? to be intentional about it. Uh, we have to find out what moves people, what motivates people individually. Yes. Okay. Well, I mean, we have to really get to know our workforce, uh, and uh, you'll be surprised. You get some outstanding ideas from people, regardless of what status they have in the organization. They have something to offer. They have something to bring to the table. And we just have to be willing to accept the fact that everybody is everyone. Just out of curiosity, because when when you are in such a leadership position like you're in now, you obviously, it's very difficult to have that, those individual interactions with everybody and know them at that level. I'm assuming, right? So... How do you work with people that are managing others or like what 
Like what do you have strategies or products yes. or things that are specific about that? Yes, yes. The things that I talked about uh, for the book, for the courage of the heart. Yes. That's what it's, the whole book is designed just to do that. Mm-hmm. To work with large organizations, right? right? And how do you take that that wonderful yes. fairy dust and yes. you just sprinkle it all over the place, right? Yeah. All that compassion, all that love, all that concern for your fellow co-worker. Mm-hmm. It can be done. It's been done. It just has to be deliberate about it. Yes. The same way you disseminate information, yes. the same way you send people to trainings, yes. and that that should be a part of your training. It should be it, it, it embedded in what you do. Yeah. It, that's the yeah. way you invest in your workforce. Yeah. Not, not an extra. Not a side. Not a side. <laughs> like, that's no one's a year. No. This has to be a part of your workforce. Yeah. And I've read numerous uh uh, uh, little excerpts uh, from the New York Times and other about companies that do that. Yeah. Right. And they're very successful, extremely successful. But it just has to be intentional. Yeah. Yeah. It has to yeah. be intentional. And someone has to find value in that process. Yeah. Yeah. At the time. Right. And then make sure it extends all the way through your organization. Yeah. Ah, that was wonderful. I love that. Yes. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. We appreciate this conversation. Conversation helped me, I would tell you. I'm retiring now. I feel like I should retire. I should stay. (laughs) (laughs) I I even though we keep you. We we are open for a third. Thank you you so much. And thank you, our listeners, for listening. And uh, we hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. And we want you to engage with us on all the social media platforms. So LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, 9 to 5 Joy podcast. Um, please chime in, leave your comments. Um, let us know if you enjoyed that episode. And spread the joy.